Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. Thank you so much for subscribing to this channel. Please make sure that you like the video you've just watched and consider making a contribution on our app or on our website. It's really easy to do. And thank you in advance for that support. It does make a difference. So I was listening to that song both just now and in rehearsal. I was thinking, in a way, that's kind of a description of a fully functioning, healthy spiritual community in that we support one another. We believe in the potential in one another. We're the ones that would say, I believe you can do it. I believe that you have power and potential within you. And then spiritual community is all about, and you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to do it alone. How many of you have ever attempted to do something significant in your life and found that it was so much easier and so much more enjoyable when there was at least one other person that believed in you, that was cheering you on, and that was kind of walking alongside you, saying, you don't have to do this alone. Not your head if you know what I'm talking about, right? Very powerful, very, very, very important. And I think it speaks to the way we look at who and what we are as human beings in unity. A foundational belief we have in unity is that we are born in original blessing, not in original sin. We want to look together <clears throat> and periodically remind ourselves, I think, of what are the foundational concepts, the foundational beliefs that we hold to be true in our spiritual practice, in our spiritual understanding. Because the more solid our foundation is, the further we can go, the more we can go up, so to speak, in building our lives, and the further out we can go. The stronger our foundation, the better equipped we are to handle the tough stuff when it happens, but also the better equipped we are to say yes to those opportunities that are presented to us because we, we know who we are. We know that we are not alone. We know how to work with our mind. And so reviewing those foundations is really important. Knowing who and what, not who, but knowing what God is, regardless of whether you are comfortable with that word or not, knowing that there is a force for good, an indwelling divinity within you, a, 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 a principle by which to live. That's an empowering truth. That builds part of our foundation. Knowing who and what you are as an individual is equally important. And knowing that that is true not only of yourself, but of every other person, of every other person. And so fundamental in our teaching in unity is this concept of the divinity of man and the divinity of woman. That we are not born in this concept of original sin. Perhaps you know where that came from. It came from an interpretation, an interpretation of not a historical story, but an allegorical story 
in the book of Genesis, the story of Adam and Eve and the story of the fall of Adam and Eve, because they were clearly told in the allegorical story, in the middle of this beautiful garden, there is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can have anything and everything you want in the garden, but that. You know if you are a parent that a sure-fired way to get your kids to do something is to tell them they're not allowed to do that thing. And what did Adam and Eve wind up doing? The very thing they were told that they could, were not to do. And so in the inter a possible or an interpretation of that story then was that because they sinned and we are all descendants of them, then we too bear that mark of sin. That's the story. And it's a lie. It's a lie on so many levels. As I was thinking about this this morning, every Sunday I, I put a little excerpt or a little quote from the talk and I put it out into our social media. And I thought, you know what that is? You know what the teaching of original sin is? I think it is spiritual malpractice. I, and I could get in trouble for that, but I actually don't care. I guess that happens when you reach a certain age. You say, you know what, I don't care. Or as our dear friend, some of you remember Jane, Al, Jane McAllen used to say, just get over it. You know, just deal with it, just get over it. I think that concept is spiritual malpractice. It's highly manipulative. It's very shaming. We don't grow. Human beings do not grow well in shame. We grow in honest support. We grow in an environment and in relationships that are uplifting, that are safe, and at the same time are encouraging to us. Encouraging us to stretch beyond our fear, to move through our fears, encouraging us to clean up our messes, but encouraging us and believing in us. And that comes and is rooted in a very different understanding of who and what we are. That we are not born in original sin. We are born in original blessing. Another way of it being said, we were born right the first time. I remember a big eye-opener for me was the first time I heard my minister of many, many years ago give the definition of sin. I still don't like that word. Do you like that word? I don't like that word. But we have to deal with some of the things we don't like. And my minister, Reverend Robert Stevens, long since passed, said sin, the word sin, came from the Greek it referred to an archery term, and it meant to miss the mark. When I heard that, so much of the baggage that I had around that word disappeared. Not all of it, but a whole lot of it disappeared because I thought, okay, I can relate to that. There have been any number of times in my life 
that I have set a mark for myself, a goal, something I wanted to accomplish or something that I wanted to learn or a way that I wanted to show up as a better, more loving, more patient, kinder person, and I didn't do too well. And I thought, okay, I can get that. But that's about behavior. That's about an act, right? That's not speaking about who and what we are inherently. We all make mistakes. Am I right with that? We all make mistakes. Some may be bigger, some may be more catastrophic, and some may be more frequently than others. But we all make mistakes. But we are not a mistake. And any person or any teaching that says that we are a mistake is doing great harm, is doing great harm. We need to support one another in being the best we can be, in letting our unique expression of the divinity within us shine through. And sometimes it means we have to clean up our act. Sometimes it means that the people in our lives that are sandpaper to our souls are the very people we need to kind of help us deal with those rough edges. But it never means that we are inherently flawed. I want to read a piece to you that I'm confident many of you have heard before. I'm also equally confident that even if you've heard it or read it before, it still speaks to you. I know it still speaks to me. These are words from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Can you not at the deepest part of your soul, say amen to that? Do you not find that there are certain phrases in that piece that just really speak to you? And maybe it's different pieces of that that speak to you at different times. It's your light, not your darkness that frightens you. Your shrinking so that others don't feel intimidated is not the way to go. The invitation that when we let ourselves shine, that that not only is good for us, but that that's an inspiration to others as well. Have you ever been inspired by another person because their light, their energy, their consciousness was so beautiful? Has that happened to you? Do you have people in your life that just the way they live their lives inspire you to want to be a better person? I know I do. 
they're letting their light shine bright doesn't detract from me. It inspires me. It shows me what might be possible for me. Unity is sometimes criticized for saying that Jesus is not divine. But we don't actually say that. We don't actually say that Jesus is not divine. We just say he's not the only one that's divine. There's a big difference. We don't say that he's not divine. We just know that he's not the only one. He said the things that I do, you will do and greater things than these will you do. There are any number of fundamentalists who wish he hadn't said that part. There are many who don't know what to do with that. It causes us to realize we have to stop making excuses. It was Eric Butterworth, one of my all-time favorite Unity authors and ministers and teachers, who was the first that I know of to talk about Jesus as being the great example. Not the great exception. You and I need great examples. Whether we relate to the example of Jesus or we relate to the example of the Buddha or we relate to the example of Lao Tzu or we relate to an entirely different example, we need examples. But we don't need exceptions. Exceptions can really undermine our own effort to be our best selves. Why? Because an exception is an exception. An exception is that person can do it, but not me. This is a radical concept to really live by. Not a radical concept to understand up here, but a radical concept to really embody and go, oh, wait a minute. What is true of another? What was true of Jesus? What was true of the Buddha? It's true of me. I might have some work to do. I do have work to do. And I suspect you might have some work to do as well. But what was true of them? Because they are an example. Is true of you and me as well. We could say of Jesus, we could say of the Buddha, that they helped to discover and to articulate these truths. They helped to discover and to articulate what is possible. They helped to point a way and to encourage us not to put them on a pedestal, but to see what they were pointing to and to attempt to the best of our ability to follow in that way, to follow in that way. Jesus said, the things I do, you can do too. And greater things than I have done, you can do. And so when we look at this, and don't just take it theoretically, I think it inspires us to look at where and how we are showing up in our lives. What's before us? What is it? When you were thinking about your goals for this new year and what you want to bring forth, it is that divine potential within you 
that is going to carry you through to that. It is those in your life, and I hope that you reach out and you have at least one or two other people in your life that are your champions, that will say to you, your goal, your secret, your, your, your intention is safe with me. I will hold it for you. I will see it with you. And I will be your cheerleader and your champion for it. You have a built-in network of that in this spiritual community with your prayer partners. You don't always have to go to them with the problem. You can. But you can also go to them with your dream. Share with David. Share with Marty. Share with Virginia. Share with the prayer partners. What it is that, that you are wanting to bring forth, but you need or you want a prayer consciousness to see that for you as well. That's how we give greater expression to this. That's how in the, I think it was Carol King, the song that, that Natalie sang, that, that's how we realize we don't have to do it alone. We don't have to do it alone. And so I invite you to look at where you are in your life. What is it that you are wanting most to embody? What is it that you are most wanting to accomplish? What is felt impossible to you? And what if you were to allow yourself to challenge that part of you that thinks it's impossible? What if you were to doubt the doubt and not doubt the possibility? How would you show up? What would you say yes to? What would you do? Can you hold that, whatever that is, whatever that intention, whatever that goal is, whatever that dream is, as you think about that, can you look at that and say to yourself or ask of yourself, do you believe that there is at least one person on the planet who could accomplish that? And I bet if you're honest with yourself, you would have to say yes, that you believe there's at least one person on the planet who could accomplish that. Then if you really believe, as I do and as we teach in unity, that we all have the same indwelling potential within us, then that is also true of you, that there are at least two people on the planet that can do whatever that is whatever that is. One of the criticisms that unity and teachings like unity have sometimes um, faced is not only that the misunderstanding or the misconception that we say that Jesus was not divine. That's not true. We just say he's not the only one that was. We all are. The other is that we can, some people can take this concept as an excuse not to grow, as an excuse just to say, well, I, I don't have to do any work, I'm all done. Or as an excuse that, well, um, where I am in my life right now is absolutely equal to, to the Buddha or absolutely equal to Jesus. I don't know where you are with that, but I know I'm not there. I know I can stretch into it. I know I can keep growing and evolving. It's kind of like, and I think it was Eric Butterworth who used this example, a dollar bill and a $50 bill. Would you say that they're equal? Come on, it's not a trick question. 
are the, which would you honestly rather have, a dollar bill or a $50 bill? Of course we would, of course we would. And yet, they're printed on the same paper. The difference is in the potential, right? In what has, not in the potential, not in the starting point, but in what has already been expressed. And that's true of us as well. And I think that's why we do, we don't want exceptions, but we do want examples. We want to be able to see people who demonstrate a level of kindness and compassion and forgiveness that we don't yet express because if we can see that in another, we know that it's possible. And so we want those examples. But we also, I think, need to be humble and we need to be honest with ourselves about where we are. Does this make sense, what I'm saying? And to do it gently, to do it not with spiritual malpractice, to know that we are inherently good, inherently divine, as is every other being on the planet. But we have made mistakes, and there are things that we may need to clean up. There are ways that we may need to stretch and grow, become more loving, become kinder, become less judgmental. All of those things that our spiritual practice allows us to do. And so I think that we have this wonderful divine appointment with life, that our life is set up to help us succeed in doing these things. All we have to do is look and see where do we feel like we're being rubbed the wrong way? Where, does it, where, where do we get upset? Where do we have sandpapery, prickly things in our life? Do any of you have any of that? I still do. Am I the only one? No, you're very quiet this morning. So we look there. I was doing a lot of reading of, um, of some teachings of Ram Das the other day. And Ram Das was frequently talking about, look where it's prickly. That's the word I'm using. Look where, where you feel upset. Look where you feel irritated. That shows you where your work is. That shows you where your work is. And why is that work important? because that's how we uncover more of the beauty and more of the richness and more of the true goodness that is at the heart and soul of every one of us. Namaste.